got so used to desolation All our spirit running dry Forget asphyxiation everyone today my guest is all the way from the uk he's an edm artist and i i found him recently from his uh his song 28 days later um i think during the pandemic i i guess i'm still kind of like obsessed with zombie movies and things but like i had never seen 28 days later or 28 weeks later which are movies up until the pandemic and i became overly obsessed with them and the the first scene in the second movie, which is 28 weeks later, is one of my my favorite opening scenes of all time. And I had never, I I couldn't find any like remix to a a song like to the the theme song. And because all great movies, there's usually like a really dope remix. And I had just never found one for the 28 Days Later. And then about a month ago, I randomly got recommended by a YouTube. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Biometrics. And I'm excited to talk to him about that song, his new song he just dropped called Noir, and uh, learn what it's like to be an EDM producer in the UK. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, Blake? It's going, going on, great. Man. So let's let's just start there. I, I want to get into like how you got started with music, but honestly, just me like finding you through, I guess, uh, a common love for zombie stuff. How, how did you come up with the inspiration of making a 28 days later 
I think, I mean, for, first of all, I'm, I'm actually so glad that you found me that way because that was kind of my plan in the first place. I was like, you know, obviously we've got the EDM listeners, but I'm a massive mm. fan of movies and particularly soundtracks for films. Ever since I was a kid, I've always like listened to, you know, Hans Zimmer and all my favorite films on repeat, just the soundtracks. Yes. So I thought, I thought because I sing and sing as well and write my own lyrics and so, do songwriting and produce, I thought, why not? buy the cover license for an amazing soundtrack and then write a song over the top of it. Wow. And then maybe, maybe I'll also not just attract the EDM fans, but also perhaps be able to meet a few, find a few new people along the way who can share the same love of movies as I do. Cause I've always been a massive fan of horror movies. And I just think that piece of music is just, I don't know what it is. It's almost like so dark and evil, but also uplifting at the same time. Yeah. And that's why I was just like, Oh my God, I need to turn that into a record. Um, I had the idea, I actually was a year late on it, because I had the idea, actually, funny you say the pandemic, that was exactly why, because I was doing an Instagram story during the pandemic, like in town, when it was like empty in London. And and that's weird, because London is normally, you know, in the centre is completely rammed. And I was just like trying to choose the right song for the Instagram story. And I was like, oh, I wonder what the 28 Days Later theme would sound like (laughs) on this. And then I was like, oh my God. So it did actually start as a pandemic idea, but I only got around to actually doing it it took me a week to, to start and finish but it took me a year to start if that makes sense wow wow so, so yeah so so i had a lot of fun making it but i'm glad it's resonating in the way that i'd hoped hell yeah there's a few things i want to break down there first what is a cover license so a cover license is basically uh with when you release a song like you'll, you'll notice now a lot of artists are releasing covers of famous songs mm-hmm. um Basically, what it means is that you've got the rights to to make another version of the song. So you can release it on Spotify, on Amazon, on iTunes. Oh. And essentially, you can earn the money from people listening on Spotify. You just can't earn the money from the actual song itself. So you can't sell it as your own song, but you can release it and earn money from the streams on the cover, if oh, that makes sense. Got it. It's, it's all a bit of a tricky world, actually, but um, but it's a recent technology that people have been really jumping on but no no one's ever tried it with a movie soundtrack so i thought i'd just give it a go and it worked so damn yeah so basically like because you have the license you don't get demonetized either then base exactly that yeah um essentially the money so the it's kind of complicated but um on youtube for example because it's uh it's video Mm -hmm. the money would only it's it's weird how it works but basically the money would go to the original artist so um it would go to i forgot his name john oh my god i forgot his name but john uh john let's just call him john (laughs) (laughs) so it sounds like i know him right yeah i know the money will go to him if uh he listens on youtube but uh on spotify apple music um all of the listening streaming services uh it would it would go to me and then a percentage would go to the original artist so essentially it's like free promo for for the other artists and also a bit of an incentive for us to to reimagine the tracks wow did you uh when you were creating the song did you look to see if there were any remixes before i hadn't found any i feel like you're probably the first to do it with that song or what do you think maybe i mean there were a few a few remixes here and there um Mm. But none of them were too great. None of them were, you know, none of them. I wasn't getting super excited about any of them. Right. I also noticed that the the soundtrack itself had been used for a couple of other things as well, like 
Uh, I think there was like an anime that used it and also a video game that used it. Um, so I just thought, you know, when there's not already a massive remix and I'm a massive fan of the track, I was like, right, let's just jump on this and see what happens. But the turnaround on it was crazy because I nearly missed two Halloweens of the idea. Oh, and then like, it was, I, I'd been away at the, um, like a big festival thing and I just got back and my girlfriend was like, it's Halloween in like five days. You said you were going to do this 28 days later thing. Have you done it yet? And I was like, no, I haven't started it. She was like, <laughs> you should probably do it. So between the five days before Halloween and Halloween itself, I wrote wrote the vocals, recorded the vocals, m- mixed, mastered and released it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I wish every track was that fast. But that was a special, a special occasion. Wow. Wait, so you're a machine, man. You said you mix and master and you write and you produce and you sing yeah i I, uh, I hide away in my room and do a lot of different things (laughs) (laughs) dang so we just go into a festival for the heck of it or are we performing at a festival or uh it's a place in it's in amsterdam it's called uh, amsterdam dance event so it's half festival half conference uh it's basically it's a bit like miami music week Okay. Um, but the Euro- but the European version. So you know, industry people, uh, labels, producers, promoters, PR people, uh, lots of parties, lots of events, lots of networking, lots of hangovers, and then everyone <laughs> comes and then everyone comes home and takes about a week to recover, unless you're making a Halloween track, in which case <laughs> you're panicking. <Damn. laughs> so so yeah, it's pretty cool though. It's called ADE, um, just ADE Amsterdam Dance Event. Um, I go every year it's just yeah it's just it's just kind of mandatory at this point when you're in the scene and you know it's a great opportunity to see friends from all over the world and just you know connect up some new collaborations meet some new singers some new producers it's great fun that's dope so what would you say would you say like 28 days later better or 28 weeks 28 weeks better what what do you mean like which which movie do you like better the 28 days later movie or the 28 weeks later movie better oh that that's actually quite a tough one because i'm <laughs> obviously in the process of re- making the song i watched them both yeah and I, I i don't know actually i think obviously 28 days later is a classic you know especially yeah. you know with the dad and his daughter and the whole journey um but i do think that 28 weeks later was a little bit more tense mm-hmm. so I, I think as a second movie it was actually really good you know how a lot of the time they they kind of bum things up a bit on the second film. Yeah. Uh, but I think both, I love them both, to be honest. Yeah, I feel that. So when I was looking at your YouTube and stuff, it seems like uh, your music spans back about 11 years. Has Have you been doing it longer than 11 years? Or is that when you I've just... been doing it for a very, uh, the Biometrics profile I have been doing for about 11 years. That's, that's pretty spot on, actually. Wow. I think. Yeah, nice work. Exactly, yeah. Thank God, you. that is crazy, isn't Thank it? Thank you. But yeah. <laughs> So did you have, did you have, have you done multiple, uh, um, have you just been under biometrics or did you have any other artists names you went before that? No. So I've been doing, well, I've been doing, but biometrics has actually been my main, um, music profile for, well, for 11 years. Mm. Um, it started off actually in the dubstep world. Okay. Um, so I started off doing, you know, heavy dubstep stuff. I still do sometimes. Um, but that was back in the day, you know, the golden era of Skrillex in around sort of 2012 sort of time. That was that was when I started really getting into music because I'm a heavy metal fan as well. Mm. And I and I just, you know, found this that type of I've always been a crazy fan of all electronic music. I mean, I think like the first 
album I ever bought when I was 10 was a Ministry of Sound album from the like from the bargain bin in some little shop somewhere. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, but then I found the dubstep stuff, which was like heavy metal and dance music mixed together. So I started making that in like 2010, 11, uh, started playing a few festivals. And then the genre itself kind of changed and lost a bit of its uh, spotlight. And I, I'd already started sort of growing up a bit then as well. So the actual genre itself has really evolved and changed a lot in the last 10 years. But in the process of that, I do actually run another three other artists as well. But but Biometrics is very much my uh, my baby, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Wait, so is EDM and dubstep, dubstep different or is it like a subcategory of EDM or how does that work? Exactly that. Yeah, it's a subcategory of EDM. Uh, it all fall, you know, EDM is a massive world now. I mean, some would say, you know, all house music and even techno would fall under the term EDM as well. Got Other it. people would disagree. It's all a bit of a weird one, but basically, electronic dance music is is what it's evolved into. Dubstep was a subcategory of that. Is a subcategory of that. Um, but I've really evolved the sound a lot now because I've been trying to use my voice more and singing a lot more in my records. And, working with other people and incorporating a lot more live instruments as well i've done i did i've got a live band now as well which i sometimes use when That's i go so out and play wow um so yeah it's fun i just because i because i come from a band background as well i really wanted to make a profile that incorporates the feeling of a live energy but mm. it's still an electronic act yeah so what what type so, of yeah. band so you said you're into heavy metal is it a heavy metal band or what type of band is it uh oh well i mean no, I mean, sorry, the band, I, I have a band for Biometrics. Oh. So, so so when we go out and play live, it's not just DJing. It's, uh, you know, we have like a full band lineup, you know, guitars and oh. drums and synths and everything. So, um, well, sometimes there are DJ sets too. But, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to capture that feeling of a band, but with an electronic artist. Got it. I mean. So does an EDM producer have to be a DJ or like, are they the same thing or are they different? Uh, they go hand in hand, but they are technically different. I mean, the DJing, DJing is when you're playing records right, live, right. right? So you're mixing two records together or four or as many as you want. Producing is when you make music. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, true. So, so they often go hand in hand, but, um, but the general term for a, for a well-known producer is, you know, he's a DJ or a famous DJ or whatever, because that's how they play, play out, if you know what I mean. Right. So, so yeah. How did how did your how did you get your name by the way? Biometrics. So because biometrics is spelled B I O M E T R I X, but then the the original way, like the actual like the medical version is yeah B I O M E T R I C S. Yeah. So it it was uh it was actually well years ago we came up with it because the stuff that I was putting out had like a very different sound to a lot of the other stuff in the scene at the time mm-hmm. it still kind of does um so you know i was kind of trying to think of a word that sounded cool and also suggested you know being individual and i thought oh, well biometrics is dna and it's literally identification yeah. of one person so why not choose that as a name and then <laughs> it was actually one of my one of my mates was like oh why don't you put an x on the end mate it looks well cool and i was <laughs> like actually actually that's not a bad idea because then it, you know it's easier to search for in youtube and google as well so so yeah, so that's where it came from, and then the name just kind of stuck. Damn. So so, how old were you when you f- released your uh, your first single? 
my first ever single, I was, what was I? I think I was four, I was 14. That was before biometrics happened. Wow. Are you, do you mean, yeah, before biometrics happened, I was 14 when I started getting into uh, electronic music. I used to, I remember I printed off, I bought this like hundred pack of blank CDs that were shaped like vinyl records. Mm-hmm. And I'd made this really terrible album. It was like 12 tracks and you know what it's like when you're young and you're super excited about something and you're just like this is the best thing ever and everyone around you is like yeah it's great man well done yeah and then i was just yeah i was selling it at college for like two pound a two pound an album or something so that was in yeah i mean when was that like 2010 i think that was wow so what you Um, what'd you go to college for uh i i did music at college and i also did i did a few other subjects as well um bit of i don't even remember what they were mate to be honest <laughs> basically i ended up i remember having this moment when i had my exams and i was just making tunes and my exam was like the next day and i hadn't even started revising and i just remember being like oh, that's it i'm not going to be doing anything else ever am i i'm just gonna be making music forever wow i just remember that i remember that moment that one moment where everyone else was panicking about their finals and i was just sitting there chilling making tunes like this is the best thing ever <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I went on, I went and then, yeah, so, well, over here we have college and then we have university, which I think you guys call college. Yeah. Yeah. We have like, what we call you. I think we have like a, like I'm in Seattle, so we have like university of Washington, but I still feel like people call it going to college. college. Yeah. 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 So, so, okay. So I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking about the stage just before college. Oh, I was going to, I was going to go and do, cause we have like exams before and then the exam results you get for that determine which college you get into if you know what i mean what so it's not like uh, so so and that's universities after high school though or yeah yeah okay. okay so i guess yeah so i guess you guys your high school goes on an extra two years to what ours does oh yeah so we have like four years of high school and then you decide what college you want to go to if you go to college yeah we have this weird period between 16 and 18 years old where you have like a separate education period where you go to another school <laughs> or stay in the same school and take what what we call a levels um which are you know four or five subjects that you specialize in and oh. then there is the results that you get in that will determine which university you get into oh wow that's pretty that's pretty neat yeah, it's, t- it's kind of a bit different. But yeah, that was when, you know, I was going to go off and do something proper and sensible, like English or law or finance or something. And then I was just like, nah, just going to make music forever. See yeah. what happens. So, so you were <laughs> literally. You, so you were like, when did you, how old were you when you uh, became biometrics then? I was 18. Okay. So you were, you were at university when you decided. It was, it was just before I started at university. It was about seven months before. Got it. And has your uh, so did you drop? So you did you graduate from university and college, or did you drop uh, out? I did. I uh, I scraped through mm-hmm. uh, um, through high school, and then which I did. I did fairly well actually. I got away with it. Um, and then uh, I did music at I did music at university because I knew that's what I wanted to do. But I only did. I actually went to two universities because the first I did one year at one and it was I wasn't inspired. Everyone was a bit lazy. Yeah. So I left and then went to another one. And then, yeah, did got, I did fairly well there. Um, but again, I didn't really I was pretty bad at turning up because I was just busy writing and, you know, working with with other artists and 
yeah that was kind of where it all started to be honest like we did a little mini tour back then and that was what really kicked things off and i had a couple of uploads on some big youtube channels um and i had like a coca-cola used one of my records back then i think this was coming into what 2015 they they used it for like a coca-cola cup over in poland (laughs) and that was what really yeah it was really random as well i just didn't expect it i was just you know coming back home one day from from a class and it was like oh hey i'm so and so from coca-cola we heard your track and we'd love to use it on this record i was like what no way so yeah so so that was what really kick-started things and then and then i did the old full-time work thing for a couple of years just to find my feet because london is not cheap i'm sure seattle (laughs) yeah i'm sure seattle's the same yeah damn (laughs) um but I feel like everyone goes through this period after college of, of uh, you know, just trying to find out who they really are and desperately figure out real life and all the bills go up and stuff. So I worked in sales. For, I actually worked for eBay for a couple of years. Oh, wow. Um, doing sales for them. And then I was getting home and working till one in the morning, just writing music and trying to line up a career doing this and eventually took the leap in 2017 just to go full time. So since then, it's just been since then, it's just been keeping afloat and enjoying what i do really damn so how do you how do you make money as a as a full-time artist is it selling beats or is it just releasing music or how does that work for you there's a lot of different ways actually i mean technology and the internet now is so good there's so many ways to make money um you just uh i mean you know for me i've been lucky enough to have a bit of a following with the biometrics thing so uh one of my most consistent streams of of income is from royalties uh, like Spotify, uh, YouTube, Apple Music, uh, all of the other ones, Instagram, TikTok, they pay a little bit, Facebook as well. Um, but I also do a bit of ghost production as well, which is writing music for other people where they pay you to say it's theirs. Basically. Yeah. So they, you've probably heard about that in the industry. Yeah. Before. Yeah. That's um, cool. So yeah, it's good fun actually. It's a nice opportunity to uh, to do something different. Um, so I do a bit of that and I play saxophone as well. Ooh. Um, so, so I do a bit of sort of actual organic stuff as well. Sometimes I can, uh, just sort of work for hire. And then sometimes I, uh, you know, do some just normal production work as well, like producing other artists, working with pop sync, pop artists over here. Um, and then I've got three other aliases as well. So, so yeah, it's a combination of all sorts of different stuff. So I'm never bored. There's always something to do, you know. But it's definitely like a full-time thing that it sounds like. Fully, yeah. I mean, I'm essentially running about five different projects. If you, if you count biometrics as one, there's about five that are going on sort of all the time. Shit. It's basically spinning, spinning as many plates as, as you can. I'm sure you know how that feels as well <laughs> if you're doing this as a, as a job too. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah, so it's good fun though. I mean, London is uh, pretty unforgiving when it comes to to um, to costs. So you just you just you just learn to love the the chase basically. And you just you know write me. It's almost like you schedule in writing music like it's a job. You know, you have to force yourself to to make a song in a certain amount of time. Or by the end of this week, I need to have this ready, or I need to send this to someone else by this date. Um, so discipline is a big thing that I'm forever working on right. sometimes more more successfully than others but yeah so do you need like a management for this or you do this all independently by yourself or how does that work for you um so a lot of people do have managers i've never had one i've actually never had a manager which wow. uh, sometimes sometimes i sometimes think back on that and i'm like should i have had a manager but i mean i've managed this far so yeah 
maybe maybe I will eventually have a manager, but um, but yeah, usually a manager would sort of handle all of that stuff for you. But I guess I kind of enjoy that part as well because I really enjoy um, I just love people. I love meeting people and and I love the whole communication thing. So um, so so for now it's working fairly yeah. well, but we'll see. Let let's see <laughs> let's see the more you know the the more responsibility I get, perhaps I will eventually have to find someone. But yeah, but that that makes sense too. If you're if you're doing so many things at once, you know, like it would honestly, I feel like it would be a little bit scary to like put your faith in someone else to yeah. Do it that's correctly. the thing. That, that's the thing. I've had a couple of offers before, and it's just the fact that suddenly they take a cut of everything that you do. Yeah. And and you know, I'm just like, you know, I've met, I you know, I I haven't seen, I haven't had that connection with someone yet who's pitched me, you know, something you know their vision that makes me think oh my god this is gonna double up on everything that i've been doing you know feel free to take that off me if that makes sense yeah that makes sense so like um, in in 2017 what was the what made you make that leap to be a full-time artist was it like did you get some crazy festival placement or like no no i took a real leap it was more of a um it was more of a, a regret thing i just knew that if i got old Right, uh, and I hadn't given it a go, at least tried. I would really regret it, and I was like, you know, they offered me a promotion at my job, um, and that it was literally they sat me down and offered me a promotion, and I was like, oh, do you know what? Like, this is my time. If I don't do it now, I never will. Yeah. Um. So, so I think I was what like twenty three at the time. So I was just like, nah, I'm like, I've got, I've got to take this leap. I, I was lucky enough that my, I come from a family of. Um, there's, there's quite a lot of creativity in my family. So my older brother is an animator. He does like 3D animation and film and you know, has worked with some cool people. And he did it before me. Um, my housemate at the time is a professional guitar player. He did it a few months before me. And, I, you mm-hmm. know, they all took the leap kind of together. And I could, you know, because I was surrounded by people who were already doing it and already, you know, feeling that nervous excitement of not knowing where the next paycheck's going to come, but doing everything they can to find the next opportunity it, it definitely filled me with a bit more confidence so i was really really blessed to have that around me because otherwise i don't know if i was would have done it but but i also it's just something that i always knew was what you know it was always my calling you know i think yeah. i would have really regretted it if i hadn't and and there were obviously there are other months where you're perhaps a little bit thinner than than other months but on the whole it's just a much you know i'm just so glad i did it really Wow, that's that's crazy. So that's awesome. They have like a they had a supportive like friends and family towards it. I feel like there's certain uh, artists or even me at times. Like my family would be like, it's a it's a passion until you're making a ton of money at it, or it's a hobby until you're making a ton of money at it. It's it's that's exciting that you had a support system. You're like just just take it the did help. It, it did help for sure. That helped. I was lucky, but I mean, I still think that even without them, if I, all I, if I, if I didn't have those people around me, I'm sure I would have ended up somehow eventually doing it. Yeah. Um, but I just think, uh, you know, I, the average person is always going to say it's not a job. A passion's not a job until it's earning you money. But if you really want something enough, like you just owe it to yourself, I think to at least give it a shot, you know? Yeah. Or at least like, you know, maybe not the full time thing. Cause we always have to pay the rent, but at least <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> give it your absolute best shot until until you can say you've tried everything you know yeah 100 percent. so you keep talking about like the so you you live in london so you're part of the and you keep saying the scene so are you part of like 
the London music scene or what what is no that? when I say when I say the scene to be honest with you the music that I do is uh pretty much non-existent actually here in London really um, no when I say this yeah the scene is more referring to um the network of artists and producers who are making that similar style of music mm. um which I don't really know what to call it it's kind of a fusion of trap and dubstep and future based and rock right um with a bit of yeah a bit of everything rolled into it i think i'd say it's just rock, rock rocky dance music really uh so it's quite a niche sound but the the scene itself is sort of scattered all over the world which is why things like that amsterdam event that i was talking about earlier um which is why things like that are, are a lot of fun because you can uh you can meet people from all over the world and you know feel like you're a proper community to be honest it is a real sense of community because it's quite right. a niche quite a niche scene so everyone knows everyone which is uh which is really nice um but london itself is is um i mean the music scene is amazing but it's much more uh drum and bass techno house music really right so how do you go about finding your audience then if it's if it's niche like do you have uh, an audience in london or just like how the scene you're talking about is all across the, the world and country how do you how do you make it? It's all a, a promotion. It's all a promotion grind, really. You have to uh, you have to send your track to as many people as you can. Uh, find artists who are similar to you, or or a song that you've made that you think is similar to a bigger artist. You go and you find that bigger artist. Look at where their music's being played. Reach out to the people who are promoting their music. Uh, work with other artists who are bigger than you, who can then push your track to new audiences. Uh, reach out to influencers. Um, reaching out to, to playlists, reaching out to blogs. There are platforms as well online that help you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it comes from just being kind of crafty. And, you know, like, for example, the off the back of the Coca-Cola thing, I was like, suddenly realized that, you know, even though I've been pushing my stuff to music fans, I realized that maybe it works really well over football videos. So I found all the football bloggers on YouTube and started sending my stuff to them. And a couple of people got back out of, I don't know, like a hundred emails. So you have to sort of, you have to bite in, you have to accept the, uh, you know, sort of one in 10 response rate. But once you're past that and you're willing to put in the shift and you block out a bit of time for self-promotion, it can, it can really work wonders. It's one of those things that feels like it's waste of time until that one thing comes back and you're like, Oh, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So, but with yeah. the with the twenty eight days later song, was that a total like marketing push, or did you just throw it up and hope people connected with it? I was lucky. With, I was lucky with that one. I mean, that one was a self release, so I didn't release that with the label. That was just completely independent release. Um, and uh, yeah, I, well, I just I just li- kind of just put it up, but I literally messaged all of the guys that I knew in my circle of yeah. promoters and said, "Guys, I've got a Halloween track." Like literally, like two days before. I've got a Halloween track. Do you want to do something with it? And by some miracle, they'd all kept their Halloween day free because they say every year there's a Halloween track and this year there wasn't one. Yeah. So so they were like, that's perfect. We'll take that. Um, and then it just picked up. It's it's just picking up a lot of like traction online. I also did, I mean, I did another track in 2020 called uh, called Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, uh, which was where I sort of started thinking about the idea of doing movie, movie songs because Sarah, she... Sarah De Warren, who is amazing. She um, 
she sent me her voice on that track because she pitched it for the Harley Quinn film and it basically didn't get get a response. So she was like, let's just make our own track out of it. Yeah. And then that went that that went viral. I think it's been TikToked about twelve thousand times. Damn. Um, which is yeah, for me that's a lot. It, I don't know how much that is in the grand scheme of things, but for me, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. So then I was like, oh. Well, there's bound to be other fans of this 28 Days Later movie, and the soundtrack's banging. So <laughs> I'm just gonna make a song out of it. So I've got a couple more like that lined up for this year now as well. Hell yeah! Wait, so if again with like the community being like online, do you ever like are you in the studio with people ever, or is it all just on your own and just sending tracks back and forth to people? Uh, I try to be in the studio as much as I possibly can. Uh, with other people but i mean to be to be honest with you a lot of it is literally writing with just writing you know either on zoom or just on your own and sending stems back and forth um a lot of producers operate hugely successful careers just by doing that um but personally i i really love because i sing and write lyrics as well i really love um being in the studio with people but because i have you know a couple of other artist profiles as well and I write pop music for other people. Like I also put my services out as a writer and a producer, just for you know bigger artists as as a service. Right. Uh, I'm in I'm in the studio a lot because then what happens is you write a song for someone else, and then maybe that person doesn't take it, and then you've got a song that you can use for yourself, or you can give to another person. You know. So yeah, I'm in the studio with people quite a lot around London, and you know, anytime I'm anywhere in the world with some other producers, I'll always try and catch at least a day or two just to write some music down right so so for the uk is london like the 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 hot spot or the mecca for music or do people still from the uk have to go to la and stuff like that or can you still just be contained in the uk i think i mean la is massive too uh there's there's advantages each part of the i feel like you've got europe as a whole which have their own scene especially amsterdam and germany yeah especially for the edm just the straight up you know festival tomorrowland edm stuff um and then you've got la is amazing for for the more hip-hop stuff mm. uh the hip the hip-hop scene is is awesome over there and also you know some of the real big heavy hitting hard bass music like some of the heavy dubstep stuff goes off really well on the west coast um london itself is is a bit of a strange one because like i said before like tech house and techno is massive over here um but i mean there is that london still gets all of it the massive festival so there is something for everyone here but in terms of the actual industry and contacts everyone seems to live either in london or in another little city down south called bristol which i love um which is a bit more of a it's a bit more underground but there's a real thriving music community down there as well but there are you know the uk has a really diverse um british sound as well which perhaps doesn't travel abroad so much but in terms of actually the actual uk there's a lot of stuff here that has a real loyal following in each city you know we have garage we have um you know, UK bass, a lot of bass line, a lot of drill, which is this new, I don't know if it's across the pond yet. Yeah, yeah, New York. Kind of, yeah. New York loves that stuff, drill. New York, yeah, yeah, New York. Yeah, New York. I've noticed that. I noticed that New York have been jumping on it a little bit, actually. So that's, you know, we, we've got a really, really loyal community here for that kind of stuff. Okay. That, um, yeah. That's dope. So for you then, do you do you still gig a lot when you when you're making your music or how does that work for you? 
I used to do a lot more shows than I have done recently, actually. It's been, obviously, with the pandemic and everything, it's been a bit of a reality check for everyone, I think. So I resorted to, um, I was playing a lot more shows, you know, sort of 2018, sort of up to about 2018, 2019. Yeah. Obviously, 2020, things shut down. And I just really ramped up the output of music. So I just really pushed making new songs, which eventually evolved into, you know, a bigger following. Um, and now that things are opening up again, uh, the plan will be to to start playing shows again. Right. Um, but I want to do it a bit differently. I want to put together some a lot more content and stuff online so people yeah. can see see more what to expect. Wait, so what's it like being like a, an independent artist then during the pandemic? Like, has it has it been mostly positive for you, or has it been pretty difficult? Or I've been uh, I've been lucky. I lost all my shows, obviously. Yeah. Um, as everyone did. I think I lost about 26 shows. Damn. Um, yeah, but but I I can't, I've got to say, like I was very blessed to have, uh, because of my services as a producer and also just the people around me and the biometrics profile, I was, you know, we all kind of, everyone went into panic mode and work mode. And because we all went into it at the same time, everyone was collaborating, everyone was releasing, all the labels were very active that everyone was so active and working so hard to compensate for the anxiety and the lack of money yeah uh that it kind of bounced back in a way so i actually did did fairly well i did fairly well because we i was just focusing purely on online mm. um i was focusing purely on online revenue so you know what happened was a lot of a lot of the clients who i work with with the ghost production as well um they were at home because they weren't in the office so they had the time and they were like you know now's the time to build my project so i had a lot of that work coming in as well um so so yeah overall it was fairly positive for me you know minus the shows but we all went through that didn't we yeah wait so did you did you grow up in london or did you move to london uh i grew up actually uh from all over really i was actually born in canada believe it or not oh wow and uh, yeah, I was born in Ontario, and then I moved to Australia for a bit, for a couple of complete, complete flip. Uh, moved to Australia when I was tiny, then moved to Scotland in the UK, and then moved right down to the very bottom of the UK, and then eventually moved to London when I was 18. Oh, shoot. That's all before you're 18? Yeah, yeah. That was all before I was 18, yeah. My, uh, my family liked to to buy and sell houses that was kind of one of their main sources of income so wow so yeah do you uh, do you feel well traveled then do you feel like you can connect with people from all over i feel like i i enjoy trying to connect with people from all over whether or not it always goes well is a different thing mm-hmm. um but i uh i definitely haven't done enough traveling i don't i mean i'll always say that right but yeah. um i love i love to to see other parts of the world especially for music as well you know like there's just musically some you know going to places like india or turkey or you know cuba or brazil just seems so amazing for inspiration for for all types of music because you can draw on the world music stuff and then bring it into what you're doing you know yeah wait so is is the is the uk open yet with covid or is it still are there so many lockdowns or anything it is it actually is you know actually two weeks ago we were one of the first countries in the world to say you don't need to isolate if you've got COVID. Wow. So I guess that means it's over here, really. Dang. Finally. Did... <laughs> Wait, didn't... I think I... I don't know if this is true or not, but didn't the Queen just get COVID or something? 
She did. Oh. Bad timing. I know. Poor, poor Elizabeth. Bless her. I know. But she, uh, yeah, she did. She just, she, she got COVID recently, but apparently she's okay. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. Um, I definitely think that um, that new Omicron thing has made it less, less of a bad disease, basically. Yeah. So have a, what are your opinion? You being in media, what are your opinions on like uh, Megan and Harry leaving and moving to the, to the US? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I, re- I think that it was kind of unnecessary how they did it personally. Right. Um, I think, you know, fair, fair enough. Like I think Harry's always been, he's always been a, you know, he's never been a natural, you know, Royal style. He, he never lived a natural style of Royal life. He's always been the cool guy. You know, he's, he's just got a bit more, he shows much more personality than he should. And to be honest, I've always thought that was amazing. I, I've loved that about him, but I do think that the whole dynamic that him and Megan started um, portraying towards the Royal family was blown out of proportion a bit. I think they, I don't know if it was them directly or whether it was just the way the media caught what they said, but I think uh, it was very, people just got really triggered really fast. And I think it was unnecessary personally. What about you? I haven't really followed it too much, you know? Like, I think it's, uh, I've just heard, like, uh, meme stuff or I watched yeah. the Oprah the Oprah interview and things like that. But overall, though, I don't know. Like, I just think it's interesting that um, people, like, you know, there's it's always, like, the grass is greener on the other side. But, like, when you're actually born royal, that's fucking insane to actually born be born into that amount of wealth and then... But then still want to be seen as uh, someone kind of like in entertainment because I think they have like a Netflix deal now and things like that. Like that's it's so interesting to see like they can still have it all if they want. Kind of, yeah. I think. Uh, have you watched the The Crown on Netflix? I have not. I for some reason I am so uninterested in like medieval things or anything that really? has to do with like. Uh, uh, princess yeah I, I guess the crown's not medieval but anything that has to do with like princess princesses or anything like yeah I'm so just not what, into what are you into then you're into horror movies right i'm into horror movies for sure i'm really let's into talk, like... let's talk horror let's talk horror man like i'm okay. a big fan too like what, what are you into mm, shit that's a that's a hard one i i i fuck I'm flipping this flipping this podcast around now. Hell yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been overly obsessed with like zombie movies lately, but I'm very I'm still very picky too. Like ooh, like have you seen like do you have Netflix? I do, yeah. Have you seen like Black Summer on uh No, Netflix? is that the what that is a zombie movie though, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a zombie TV show. Like it's I'm like I think in my opinion zombie shows have to, or movies have to be portrayed in a specific way. Like you want to get attached to the characters and then for me at least i don't i don't want it to be predictable but i expect it to be like everyone's going to die <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean cuz it's like no one realistically is going to survive a zombie apocalypse zombie. you know no like that's that's what happened with the walking dead like i really enjoyed the walking dead and still until it kept going on you're like these guys are all still alive and now they're coming up with these know. like terrible villains but like horror movies for sure but also, like, I don't know, horror movie. all these movies lately, even, like, horror movies, are becoming woke. So, and, like, how... So true. Like, so true. It's just, so like, it's, it just, it's just so weird. Like, I have no problem with... Well, I, I, 
I can't say I don't have a problem with wokeness, but I, I, I appreciate the sentiment of wokeness, right? It's just sometimes unnecessarily force-fed, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, so I have just been uh, more into early like two thousand movies. I like totally. I like the gr- I like the grudginess of them all, and like like yeah. even like uh, I don't know. For example, like I. I thought they were going to do justice with the new James Bond and the new Matrix, and those both just became very woke movies. And I'm oh, like, oh, the new felt... the new Matrix. I didn't even bother watching it just because I heard so many people crying about it. <sighs> it was so bad. And like, for example, like, the, I think there's a case. I think the best movies nowadays, especially when it comes to horror, are the ones that have like little budget or like independent a little bit or... it's totally true i feel like in horror movies i mean i'm a massive as i said like huge fan of horror movies yeah and for me the one the ones that really you know i, I like the ones that really i'm not so much into just straight up gore i mean i yeah. do love a zombie but the ones that really get it for me are the psychological ones yeah generally and generally the psychological ones that are done really well are the ones where you barely see if at all see the actual bad guy you know yeah yeah, it's almost it's just all done on tension and angles and uh, suspense and and almost like fear of what isn't there as opposed to what you can see in front of you, which I think is is just I, that's why I love them because I think it's really hard yeah to actually scare someone. Yeah, we've seen it all before, you know. That's why it's called horror movies and not scary movies because sc- <laughs> yeah. scary is all up to opinion. Totally, yeah, it's totally subjective, isn't it? But I one thing I will do say is it's. It's a sad moment in history if you're like if you're debating on whether or not to see the new Chainsaw Massacre. Like it it just dropped on Netflix and I'm like, there's a chance that it's just gonna somehow be super woke and then it's gonna come out that the leather leather face is like a like a like transgender or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like I wouldn't be surprised. Oh Nothing God. wrong with transgenders or anything like that. Like I've had transgender people on the podcast even. It's just like you expect one thing and just and then to just completely flip like a like because they're doing that with like movies that have been around for decades and they're just changing like who who the the fundamental character person like who the fundamental the what who the like character the main, is the main character is yeah. fundamentally you know what I mean so that's so funny can you just I just got this see it's like this image in my head of Leatherface <laughs> having an epiphany and just suddenly becoming <laughs> vegan and just chainsawing <laughs> vegetable fields you know yeah see like <laughs> can you that's Imagine not too out of the, the Texas Texas vegan massacre. <laughs> it's just it's not too out there, or like even like there's nothing wrong with this either. But like still, like have you seen the new Chucky TV show? I haven't. No. Like uh, every everyone turns out to like Chucky comes out as like bi, and then the main Seriously. character comes is like uh, I think he's like fourteen something. He comes out as like yeah. gay, and like like it's like there's nothing wrong with that, but like everything has change into this thing where it's you have to force that it's who they are as a as a character <laughs> yeah no i mean it is I, I i get why they're making such a big uh big thing of it because you know except the acceptance it should be there and i still think we've got a better yeah, way to go with 100%. that but, but i i so do know what you mean it almost feels like it's more offensive because it's forced in yes yes and it's it, you know it feels like I mean, I've heard a lot of people actually find that offensive, you know, people who are involved in, in some of these, uh, you know, communities and stuff. So, uh, it's more offensive because it's like, we did this 
so we've made a thing of it you know and it, it's just it, sometimes it doesn't feel natural when you just shove a a bit of you know a bit of wokeness in in whatever shape or form yes definitely agree with you, man. 100 percent. but like i don't know like have you seen uh there's some movies i like that came out in the past year or two like have you seen the hunt no oh i haven't no oh that was such a good one it's like really? a it's like a co- comedic horror movie where it's like this like old family um like royal i don't even know if they're royal but there's just a very like billionaire family what they like to do is um play like hide and seek and then like uh whenever someone brings in like a new like a like a new boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance they include them in the game and if they survive then they can get married and if not what the parents. hell yeah it's just, talk about talk about being nervous about meeting the parents yeah like. yeah it's it's it was it was really cool but um yeah man so what what is the how does it what is the progression of being like an edm artist so for you for example i've seen that you've been doing it for over 11 years you've got some cool placements like the coca-cola thing i think you've solely dra- dropped singles from what i can tell uh, pretty pretty much yeah so pretty much. what what is the progression like is there a do you do you make music until a specific single pops or is it do you wait to collab with a specific uh um artist or how does that how does that work to get to a, the con- next stage or progression consistency is literally it and then all the rest kind of follows you just have to keep making music Mm. keep putting music out and keep sending it to as many people as you can people say you know quality over quantity and that is true but nowadays it's quality in quantity it's a shame but it's true you just keep writing you keep writing you keep writing you keep trusting yourself you keep writing you keep sending out to people and then you start meeting people along the way uh you, you reach out if you're touched by a song or you're connected to a song by someone else hit them up message them if they reply then great then they might be open to working with you and collaborating is great because it's half the work to double the exposure um but the yeah the general progression is you just you just have to keep writing and and keep sending your stuff out and eventually a label might listen to your record or you might catch the attention of of someone big through another artist that you've worked with in the past um and then you know then you'll get known as the guy who's also released with that person or with that label. And then all of their contacts will know who you are. Right. It's all, it's like a combination of consistency and network. Got it. So are you, are you someone that's looking to eventually get picked up by a label or because you've been doing it so independent for so long? Is that something that even intrigues um, you? It's a bit of both really. I, I personally, uh, at the moment with as many people as I can, I'm, I'm trying to shout independent, independent all the way. Yeah. Um, because you just, you know you just hold so much more control and you've got so much more creative freedom that way obviously is it also means you're probably going to get much less plays but mm-hmm. you'll get 100 percent of the money you know what's weird is is i've got that heart you know for example that harley quinn record i've got like a, a fairly small percentage on that and that gets you know over a, what like it's still getting about you know 300,000 400,000 plays a month on spotify yeah and what's mad is that self-release that I've released myself, you know, just something that I've put out, no label that's getting 40,000 plays a month yeah. is getting me more, is paying me more money than the Harley Quinn record, which is getting, you know, a couple, over 200,000 a month. So wow. independence, 
has its wins as well, as long as you're consistent with it. But it's kind of, I don't think I'll ever sign, I, I don't think I'll ever want to sign like a massive label deal. I'd love to collaborate with some some massive artists and do some tours and work with some of my, uh, you know, some of my favorite bands mm -hmm. and, and musicians. Um, but I don't think I'll ever sign like a, 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 you know, a Sony or, or Universal deal right. as, as we know it right now, just because I, I, I'd say I'm more of a behind the scenes guy if it comes to something like that. I'd rather do everything case by case. Got it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because it, they, they just rip you off, man. It's yeah. not worth it. Like, you know, they, you get stars in your eyes because they say, oh, we're going to give you like a million dollar advance. And everyone's like, that sounds amazing. But what you don't realize is it's a one million dollar advance that you pay 20% to your management, 50% to the label. You pay for press costs, you recoup their marketing costs. And then you're left with what, like 60 grand, 70 grand. Do you know what I mean? It's like uh, it all adds up so so yeah there's always a lot there's always a subtext to everything yeah so you just you just dropped a new single T tell me about that yeah so i dropped it it's called runaway with becco who's an italian uh italian rock artist and singer producer and singer he's amazing he's a crazy anime metal guy um so that happened because a us-based label called fixed reached out to me which is owned by an artist called cell dweller who I was a fan of for years when I was younger. Um, they just started a, they basically did a compilation called Noir, which is a, a combination of uh, like all of, you know, a bunch of hard hitting EDM records. Mm -hmm. And they set me up with Becco to, to, to work with him on, on the track. And yeah, that was like a proper, proper face melting power record that we just decided to write, like sort of pulling on the old emo heartstrings you know how like everyone used to love emo music in the 2000s we wanted to kind of bring that back in a new way yeah um so that's what that record was for which which is uh which was a lot of fun that's dope. um yeah and then i've got another one dropping on friday actually called play-doh which i'm really excited about oh hell yeah um which is uh yeah i called it play-doh which is actually about what we just spoke about which is it's about how the industry tries to control people yeah um, which is why I call it Play Doh. So, so yeah. that's going to be cool. And is there any uh, featured on that, or is it you solely, or how's that work? That that's just a solo release. That's got me on the on singing and and on the vocals as well. Hell yeah, that man! One. That's yeah, super I'm excited exciting. for that one. It's a bit more. It's a bit less uh, in your face. A bit more like chilled, which is going to be cool. Yeah, man. That's that's super dope. Well, um, thanks, man. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, I'm a I'm a, I'm definitely a fan. I I definitely went through your entire catalog. Watch some, you? No some of your uh, YouTube videos. I saw your uh, your DJ set you did from home. Like I, I've checked uh, out your stuff. Yeah, yeah. What, the one with the uh, with Adam, the guitarist. Yeah, I checked out your uh, stuff, cool. my guy. Oh man, yeah. What, what did you think of uh, the live show? That was dope. That was actually really yeah. cool. I think um, things like that are uh, are very important, and I think it also showcases that you know how to do things like independently. You know. Yeah. That was it. Was uh, dope. thanks, man. Yeah. 100%. Any uh, favorite records? I am the worst with title tracks. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, I put you. I kind of put you on the spot there a bit, haven't I? <laughs> I'm terrible with title tracks. Yeah, yeah. But I've I've listened to front and back your entire catalog. That's how wow, I knew you. That's why. That's how I knew you don't have any albums out. It was like all just single, 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 single. It was. Yeah. Uh, it was also really cool. I don't know if people really geek out about it, but like 
So I use YouTube music as well yeah. as um, Spotify. And depending on the platform, different audiences will like one song more than another. For, for example, on totally. YouTube, like your biggest song is the um, 28 Days Later. But then on yeah. Spotify, it's the Harley, Harley Quinn, Quinn song. So it's just yeah. cool to see like how different platforms attract different audiences. Things Both like that. movie songs. Yeah, there we go. You're, you're on to something there. I'm on, on to something there. Yeah, I'm going to keep keep doing that. Hell yeah. Well, um, there is, I do have a plan. I mean, I am putting together a uh, an album at the moment as well. Ooh. Um, but that will be ready in early 2023. So I've, it's going to be singles until then. And then beginning of next year, I'm going to drop a drop a full album. Hell man, hell yeah, man! Is that a is that a little nerve wracking? Uh, yeah, but I'm also sort of just trusting in the fact that by hopefully by if I keep writing at the pace that I'm writing now, by the end of the year, hopefully I'll be able to be confident in having you know sort of ten to ten to twelve tracks that I'm really proud of. But let's see, you know, touch wood. Let's see. I don't know what's going to happen. We never know. But that's the plan. And we gotta, we gotta do. You gotta do a, a little tour with that, and you have to come to the U.S. and then you can come. To I'd the love studio. to. I'd like come up and say hi up in Seattle. I do. We can do a proper in-person one where I've got a better microphone. Yeah, no, you're sounding <laughs> pretty clear. I'm gotta say, man, you're sounding pretty clear. But yeah, good old Zoom audio. We love it. Don't we? Hell yeah. So, what is a uh, what is some final advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? Um. Uh, don't be afraid to to try new things i think is a big one um trust trust your innovation is one thing and trust yourself because i think it's uh for me that's one of the biggest things that i keep coming back to and keep changing and it sounds really generic and obvious but Mm. honestly like with social media you're compared in every industry and everything that you do especially if you're running an independent operation like any form of creative or freelance um uh, you're always comparing yourself to, to, you know, the person who's doing better than you, or perhaps it's someone who's at the same level as you and they've had a better month than you or a better couple of months. And it's very easy to think, oh, like I should do more like what they're doing or everyone else is doing this and it's doing really well. Maybe I shouldn't keep doing what, what I'm doing. But honestly, the, just just stay in the game and keep trusting yourself. That's it, really. Yeah. I mean, the the rest the rest will come as you learn. Obviously, you can't be completely unaccessible, but like, don't conform straight away because I think that can also like cut cut the the length of what you're doing. You know, it will stop people coming to you for what you do. You know. Yeah, hundred percent. And what is the I'd say that what is the easiest way for uh, people to reach you? Uh, reach me if you want to get in touch with me personally then you can hit me up on instagram which is uh, biometrics uk um otherwise you can check me out on spotify and apple music um and youtube so w- whichever music source you like best you'll you'll find me on that hell yeah this has been the nas cool, podcast man. with biometrics nice one and we did it